Welcome back, Chop It Up Show, episode whatever. We're here with Tony, owner of Barber Crab SD. For the viewers out there watching and listening on the podcast right now, I guess, you know, just give a little quick overview of the shop you know, and um, why you chose this location here. So <clears throat> the shop has like an urban feel. Um, subway tile walls, concrete floor, um, definitely urban feel, especially in the downtown city of San Diego. And um, I chose this particular location um, and it was a struggle because we were looking at a lot of different locations throughout the downtown area. So it was all mostly downtown though? Um, there was some downtown, there was one in Point Loma, there was a couple in Mission Valley, but I wanted the downtown area. One, my clientele was mostly out here, but the majority, the biggest reason why was because um, there was not many really good shops in the downtown area. There was some, but being like where I'm from in New Jersey and being so close, Jersey, baby. being so close to New York City, there was uh, a lot of shops, uh, a saturated market out there of barber shops where there was a lot of competition. Shops around the corner, oh, hell yeah. across the street. It's like every every corner there was a barber shop in New Jersey, bro. Yeah, and they were all super talented, and there were a lot that were super nice. And out here, there just wasn't. There wasn't a lot in the downtown area. There was like three or four, which was fine. But like, if you compare this to like New York City, it'd be like twenty in the downtown area, and that's just how many it was. Downtown San Diego, it was. Kind of like the Wild West when I was moving here. It was just a little rough around the edges in that regard, but it was an opportunity. In other words, like the pie was so big and only a few players were taking a slice. So that's just kind of how I took it. That's true. So what ultimately, uh, out of all the places that you looked at, what was the ultimate deciding factor? Like, you know what, I'm gonna pick this place and like, uh, instead of shop here. Well, you know what was interesting was I, I you know, I, I did my market research and I looked at different things such as uh, median household income, really? demographics, right. things like that. There's tools that are available online that you can research these things if you ever decide to open up any type of business. Um, so like I used those tools to kind of figure out what my mar target market was going to be like or where I wanted to target uh, the barbershop. And, um, but then in addition to that, once I actually had listings uh, um, you know, already laid out for me as to what I was going to potentially look at. I started looking into things like parking. I started looking into things like walking traffic. No, parking is a big thing too. Yeah, for sure. And um, looking at local things like what restaurants, what bars, you know, we're not far from Gaslamp. You know, we're pretty close to a lot of things. We're right off the five, so close to highways, easy accessibility. All very important things to have, you know, when opening any type of business, right? And then do you have like complementary businesses around you that could potentially drive traffic for you without having to market as much? Uh, another important factor, uh, having 7-Eleven has done us a lot of justice for sure, oh, right yeah. next to us. The walking traffic is crazy. Yeah. But then like also there's, we're on 6th Avenue. Which 6th Avenue is the, the main artery going into the downtown area besides Fifth Avenue. Wow. Uh, Fifth Avenue 
and Market Street are basically the two busiest streets in the downtown area. Sixth Avenue is right next to it, just goes the other direction. So to me, it just made a lot of sense. There's a lot of traffic, there's thousands of cars a day that go down into the downtown area right through Sixth Avenue. So big opportunities there. Uh, essentially, I, once I had these locations plotted out and I grew to like each and every one more and more or started to single some out, I kind of drove around and parked in some areas and camped out and just yeah, kind of really like camped out. I mean, I wasn't there all day long, but <laughs> sometimes I was there for an hour. Okay. Sometimes I was there for a couple hours. Sometimes I would go grab lunch in an area just to kind of gauge and see what the traffic, walking traffic and driving traffic was like. Oh, so you really do some research out here then? Um, yeah, no, I mean, and I kind of got the opportunity, like, just by exploring San Diego. You know, when I first moved here, I, was, I didn't know nothing about any of the neighborhoods. It's like, you know, you quickly figure out La is a wealthy neighborhood, Coronado is a wealthy neighborhood, but, like, you don't really learn much about all the other neighborhoods unless you know people or get to know people, which is the beauty of our industry. So you get to meet a lot of people that know things. So well, now I've come to become, like, the, like, I'm not gonna say like the mayor, but more so like I kind of learn and know things that even locals don't even know now, and it's like pretty cool to have that under my belt. Well, that's barbershop shit for real though. Like barbershop, everything happens there. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like you know, like this person comes in, you already know what you're gonna find out because this guy's tied to this, or they know this, or part of that association, or whatever. And that's what that's the beauty I think for being a barber because. Like you said, yo, your your network is kind of crazy. I mean, when it's all said and done, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, your clients are your, your network, essentially. They're your friends. They're the people you see every week or every other week, every month or every couple months. They're the people that are your friends. They're your clients, um, and they're your relationships. They're your network. They're your connection to other industries, other worlds, whatnot. Oh hell yeah. Like since we've been out here, like the, the type of clients that we met and the type of connections we built, it's kind of crazy. I would have never thought in a million years, so, you know? Yeah. But so that's that was one of my giveaways or takeaways from being a barber and like talking about being a barber. So what what was it? What were you doing before you were cutting hair? You don't mind me asking that. Oh man, I was a kid. I mean, I was in high school when I when I when the idea of cutting hair interested me um you know growing up in a culture of, of you know having fresh fades in high school and if you didn't have a good haircut you got kind of picked on <laughs> so it was like you know, trash you like yo, yeah garbage yeah absolutely you got made fun of yo your lineup is crooked or something so it was just <laughs> like it was a culture i grew up in so it was like you know i just kind of eventually at some point went to a flea market with my mom Bought a pair of crappy clippers that to this day I don't even remember. I don't even know what brand they were. They were probably at a flea some... market, bro. They're probably using shit too. No, they were new. They were in the oh. plastic. But <laughs> I bought them for like fifteen dollars. They were oh. cheap, and um, you know that that's what it was. So I practiced a little bit, chipped a couple people up. You know, didn't do the best work, but I wasn't charging either. But then that's I a that's a part of the process, though. Right, right. And then after some time, people were willing to give me five bucks for haircuts, and then that number grew, and it became ten dollars and whatnot. So. Before cutting hair, honestly, like I was working at the mall. I had a couple odd jobs. I cleaned houses. I did outdoor. I did clean outdoors and stuff like that. Um, but cutting hair has been like my job, my career for pretty much the majority of my adult life. So that's you. You like definitely knew you wanted to be a barber since a young age. Then um, you know what's funny? I don't think 
nobody ever really knows that they want to be a barber since a kid. It's not like a kid. Yo, for real, though. It's not like you ask a kid and, and they tell you, like, I want to be a doctor when I grow up or an astronaut or something like that. It's like, you don't really know that as a kid, <laughs> right? You don't really, a kid's not going to say and tell you, I'm going to be a barber. Maybe if his dad's a barber, then a kid, but I want to be like my dad. So you have so, some type of idea, but at least a little bit from that point, right? Yeah, and it's a role model, too. So then that makes sense. But honestly, like, I thought cutting hair was going to be like a side hustle to becoming something else. And that that's what I thought when I was growing up, like in my early 20s. I'm like, you know, I'm, this is only for now. This is only for now. I never really had any crazy plans to open up a shop. And although as much as I wanted to and the glitz and the glam of it was cool at the time, I didn't quite comprehend the responsibilities in my early 20s of what opening up a barbershop was going to be like. Um, but nonetheless, you know, I mean, I still went to college. I still work in the field that I graduated in. College, yeah. Oh, you graduated? What did you go? Um, what was your degree in? I went to school. I graduated in supply chain management and marketing sciences at Rutgers. Okay. Uh, went to Rutgers Newark, and I cut hair on the side while I was in college. Okay. And that was a cool networking opportunity too because I got to socialize a lot with the students that I went to school with, uh, a lot of the organizations, the business organizations that were in the school. And I got to cut a lot of interesting people that worked in different fields as well as supply chain when I went to school for. And um, got a lot of interesting people in my chair as a result of that. So this industry has brought me a lot of opportunities, um, you know, in that regard as well. Huh. Yeah. That's kind of dope. So even during college, you're cutting hair. So you, you're going to college to get a degree because that's what you wanted to do initially. Like I'm guessing like, so in grand scheme of things, what did you want to do? So like going to college, what was like your uh, goal? You know, how did you get the um, degree? That's a cool story. You know, what's funny was that I was cutting hair at the barber shop I was at for a long time. And I had a client of mine and um, at the shop I was, you know, managing some inventory, some things like that. And I, I always had an interest in like managing inventory, managing things, um, and, and whatnot, and like he was like, you, it seems like you would take an interest in supply chain, and that's kind of how the That's what the barber shop guy said? There was a client oh. that he had recently graduated, and he started working in the field, and I took a lot of interest in what he was doing, and he also basically relayed that interest onto me, in the sense that like, you seem like you would have a great interest, and in then a lot of those skills that I've learned could transfer into the barber shop, and I was just like, really? Get out of here, let me, you know, let, let's see. So it was a lot of like process improvement and things like that and, and whatnot. So I was just like, all right, let me let me look into this more. So I I did, and then I kind of like started, I was going to school already. I graduated with my associates in business management. And then mm. like, once I started to hone in on the different facets of business, cause you know, you have accounting, you have finance, you have marketing, okay, yeah. and then you have supply chain nowadays, which used to be called logistics. And, um, I was like, all right, let me let me get into this. This is interesting. I actually took a, uh, an affinity for it, and um, I applied for Rutgers. I got in, and I went to school for it, and I did well. I graduated and worked in the field for three and a half years, all still cutting hair throughout the entire process, all of it. So cutting hair was always a side hustle. So when did it become like, all right, this is my main shit? I was working in the industry I was working in for three and a half years at the facility that I was working in since the very beginning for those three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And um, I grew to a point where I felt like I wasn't going to be able to grow up unless I went to somewhere else. And it was like somewhere else pretty far because they were always telling me like there's growth in the Midwest. 
and every time I visited the Midwest, because at some point, <laughs> it was like Kansas and shit. It was uh, Ohio, oh, but like nothing against Ohio, but fuck. <laughs> <laughs> nothing against Ohio. Actually, Ohio is really cool, but I wanted to be coastal. Okay, that makes sense. I wanted to be coastal. Uh, I wanted to be like Florida, New York, even Virginia would have been cool. California, Texas, somewhere by the water. But um, yeah, it didn't work out because I didn't want to go where they were trying to send me to. Oh, um, yeah, that makes sense. And in my facility, like the general managers, the managers, they weren't going anywhere. So it would require for one of them to leave for in order for me to get in oh, in their position. So it was kind of like a top heavy situation and um, I wasn't really going anywhere. And it got to a point where my operation was kind of like on autopilot. It was kind of running itself. It was doing well. I was getting people promoted. People were stepping up and taking up responsibilities that I once had. And I was like, cool. And I got to like do other things. And they were sending me out on operations for like peak seasons for uh it was a kids clothing line uh, called jimboree oh so i know that yeah yeah so i went there at their facility it was an e-commerce facility in ohio and i went there to help out just one year um help out with like bottlenecks and anything that was holding so back you, their you stayed in ohio for two months okay so i helped them throughout their season and um it was a cool ass experience it was dope um I got to learn a lot. I also got to apply a lot of the things that I had learned already with helping out with bottlenecks. Um, and it was all like process improvement. Like basically you see boxes coming down the line. Guys are like picking off the boxes, loading it on the truck a certain way. And it, you know, it could be faster. It could be done quicker. So you just kind of look and observe and just try to figure out how to make things faster, how to make things run more efficiently. Mm -hmm. So essentially that's basically what my job was just making sure people were doing their job first of all because that's essentially what supervisors and managers have to do and then second of all having to figure out how to make that job operate a little bit better so you can churn out efficiently yeah more efficiently so you can churn out a little bit more numbers or a lot of bit more numbers at the end of the day whatever increases your bottom line essentially was my job at at that time um but then so when i got when i started asking questions about moving up they started basically, I felt like giving me that, the runaround and um, they were kind of happy and content with keeping me where I was. That so, yeah. And then uh, I had discovered San Diego. I came here on vacation. I had met people from here uh, through a study abroad I went to and um, I grew an affinity, grew a loving and a liking to San Diego and I started to visit and it was dope. It was super fascinating. I was interested. I started to explore the barber industry out here like I do in different cities. Like every time I visit somewhere, if I go to Miami, I want to see the dopest barbershop in Miami and I go visit it. Uh -huh. So it's the same thing like here. I came here, looked, at, looked up different barbershops. I saw it, I discovered what was going on and it was cool and I was excited and I was like, yo, this is dope. But there's huge opportunities here to open up a shop. So it became that mentality. It became a fever. It became a, a desire that I wanted to come here and open up a barbershop and leave the industry that I was in. And not saying that I wasn't successful, but I just wanted more. So I proposed to myself that I was going to move here a year and a half before I did. A little? Yeah. And I could, right. and I, it was funny because I took my family out to dinner, uh, Cuban Pete's in New Jersey. Took out the whole dang, family. Dang. Oh, it was amazing. You're in New Jersey, you want to go to Cuban food? Yeah. Cuban Pete's. Cuban Pete's. 
Went there and um, told my family, I was like, I'm just making an announcement, moving to San Diego, probably about a year to two years. I ended up taking me a year and a half. And, uh, you know, created a list of goals that I was going to uh, conquer before moving out here. One of them was paying down debt. A legit, like a fucking list. Yeah. Like, number one was paying down debt. Paying down all my credit debt, saving up about fifteen to $20,000. So that if I'm here, I have some type of a cushion. Yeah. Well, um, and then I was at. So, like, once I completed those things, started saving money, and I started creating a timeline. Like, at this point, I want to be ready to go. So... Once that point came, I gave my two weeks notice to my boss. I tried to be as formal as I possibly could, and he was happy about it. I gave him, not even the two weeks, actually, I gave him a one month notice. He was happy about, and then uh, that was it. I packed up my car. My uh, best friend from San Diego drove, flew out to Jersey, and we drove cross country uh, together, and it was cool. It was a hell of an experience. We stopped at a bunch of cities, saw a bunch of friends, made it to San Diego, spent the next couple of years building my clientele, and. Uh, next couple of years after that, saving money and opening up a shop. So, okay, let me add to this. Like, when you made that announcement to tell everybody you were going to San Diego, how was the reception? Was it good, bad? Were they supportive? Were they not supportive? About like family and friends' wise? Like, what, did, what were they telling you? Or, or how, they, how were their reactions? You know, it's funny because I got like a mix of support and a mix of not support. So, oh. like, it was a mixture of both, and some family members were more like, "Yeah, whatever. We'll see. You. Like, you know, we'll, we'll see if you actually do it or not." <laughs> and then I had some other family members like, "Oh yeah, I know. He's dead serious. Like, what he says he's gonna do, he, you know, he puts his best foot forward and tries to get it done." That's what's up. And like, I, I remember the the biggest reaction was from my niece Kayla. Mm. She like turned to me and she was like, "I know you're gonna do it. I know you're gonna go out there and you're gonna do it. And when you do, I'm gonna come visit you." And I was just like, God, that's dope. I appreciate that. And like right now, that even gives me the chills because like that's that happened. And then she came out and she visited. And it was dope. You know, like I appreciate family members doing that stuff because at the end of the day, like the things that I do and the things that I'm capable of doing rubs off. And yeah. it rubs off on the family members that I hope can do. Yeah, in a, in a great way. Like I hope that she does something wild but it's something that she wants to do, right? Because at the end of the day, you'll never know until you do it. And you'll never know what would happen if you didn't do it, right? That's a big fucking fact, bro. Yeah. Were you like, were you, like, what were your thoughts? Were you more scared, more excited? Like on a personal level, like what was, what was like, because like you already had the plan, like you had a list, right? But like what emotionally, like how were you feeling? Like were you scared and sure? Like, like, I don't know what was going through your mind. When I first, and it, and it was funny because as, as time went on, things changed, but fear was always a factor. Okay. Um, and in the very beginning, when I first proposed it, I was scared, but then I also didn't know whether I should believe myself. I almost felt like I was talking shit. Like I, <laughs> like I was full of it. Yo. And then I was just like, but you know what? At the end of the day, I got to stick to my guns and I got to commit. And yeah. I got to make sure that I'm going to do this because I, I know a lot of people believe in, you know, moving in silence. Okay. Do things in silence and just keep doing it until it comes to fruition. Okay. And then that's that. And, you know, that's fine. I respect that because I, I do things like that a lot. Like, I'll do things in silence and then it'll happen. Mm. But there are huge goals that I try to announce 
like where right now I want to buy another house. And I'm talking about it a lot. Talking about it a lot. And that's what I do. I talk about it. I talk about it. You put it out in the universe. I put it out in the universe. Exactly. I put it out in the universe. And it's going to happen. It has to happen. I have no choice because if it doesn't happen, I suck. (laughs) I'm a failure and I just don't deserve what I have. Like, I'm just, that's it. It's a little harsh though, no? Like, it is, but but at the end of the day, you have to be, right? Like, you got to be somewhat harsh on yourself in order to achieve the goals that you want to achieve. So like, that's just my mentality. So that's kind of how it was. Like if I don't move to San Diego and I stay stuck in Elizabeth, New Jersey, I'm just going to be like everybody else I wanted to get away from. Mm. You get what I'm saying? I'm not saying I wanted to get away from everybody, but there was a lot of faces that like, if I go back and I'm like, ah, I was kind of over this. Like, I'm, I'm happy I got away from this kind of mentality. You know? I feel you. That's understandable. It's like, you know, it's just like, you feel like there's bigger, there's better. Like you can do more. Like I, I understand. I was like in the same boat, but coming out here, you know? So I feel that's why like, when you're talking about like, yo, you when you said you're gonna move, like you gotta fucking move. Cause now you're just talking shit. And I didn't want to be that guy just to be talking shit, you know? Right. Cause I'm not known to be that guy just to talk shit. So I'm not gonna start now. Right. You know what I mean? So that that that's so crazy that you made the move. So what what was it that at what point did you you know that like you know it's time for me to put a shot oh so that was a thing in itself so the moment i landed here um i, sp- I took about a month off okay i explored san diego i enjoyed uh, you know my time here i didn't have any friends didn't have any family uh except for one person who i moved in here with who was my best friend dj mm-hmm. and he he was the only person i knew really out here so i hung out with him a lot but like that was that. I didn't have my circle of friends from back home. I didn't have my family members. I didn't have any, uh, you know, we used to do family night back in Jersey, like every Friday or Saturday. And like, I don't have that. Anymore. I don't have that support group. I don't have the familiar faces every day. So it was weird. I was in a funk, you know, for <laughs> that, could, yeah, could, that could be, that could happen because the routine is like messed up too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was in a funk. I mean, it was a good funk, but it was like a situation where I'm like, I have to take this day by day and focus on what's next. And, you know, at that point, since I had so much time on my hand, I just started putting together my business plan. And it was like a rough draft. And it was like a lot of Google searches on what business plans look like, what business mm. plans for barbershops or salons look like. Oh, just you really Googled that shit? Yeah, I literally just Legit. Googled a bunch of them. I ended up with like two or three sample ones and then a couple other ones that had nothing to do with barbershops, but just had nice structure. Mm. So I took all of that and I just started compiling and taking paragraphs, deleting them, writing my own shit, and then just started building my business plan uh, from there. And it was a lot of brick by brick. And honestly, it took me, I want to say like seven or eight months, almost a year to have a fairly polished business plan. And it was funny because there was a lot of resources out there that could have helped me. (laughs) And I kind of went about it, maybe not the wrong way, but there was a better way to do it, right? Because there were classes, there were like score classes, there was business advisors. That, oh, to help you open a shop, those, those, those type of classes. To help you do a business plan, oh, okay. just a business plan. There's, there's stuff like that too that help you with all that stuff, which eventually I took advantage of. But um, yeah, just writing a business plan. I didn't know there, there were so much resources. There were, I know there was stuff that you could pay for. Like you could pay for somebody to write your resume. You can pay for somebody <laughs> to do your business plan. But I wanted to do it myself. I wanted to get into the nitty gritty of it. I wanted to understand how the mechanics of a business plan work because if I ever want to do another business, 
Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I have that shit down pat. Oh, okay. So like that was it. And I'm, I'm a firm believer of like, if you're going to do anything, you need to learn the nitty gritty. You need to get your hands dirty in order to really understand how everything works. Oh, and I'm not saying you have to master it. You have to be the best at it, but you have to at least, you know, if you're going to open up. Of it. Yeah. If you're going to open up a coffee shop. You need to know how to make coffee. <laughs> you don't, you, you, can't, you can't be the best, but like, if you're going to go over there and be like, oh yeah, I have the dopest coffee shop, but you make trash coffee, ain't nobody going to go. That's true. So essentially like, yeah, I mean, that, that's, I, I, I'm a firm believer of that in almost any process or anything you can learn. Yeah. Okay. That's that, but, that, but that's so true. But, but like, okay, just for example, for what you're saying, but there is a lot of businesses out there right now that, you know, for example, like you was just a coffee shop, there's motherfuckers that open a coffee shop that don't know shit about coffee, but they do well. And why do you think that is? You know what? It's also resources, right? Like a lot of people, I mean, I worked at a barbershop where the owner doesn't cut hair. And uh, you well, know, a lot of those too. yeah, out here it's crazy. I, I never <laughs> thought I was going to see so many barbershops with barber, but with non-barber owners. Um, number one, I feel like, and, and not just the San Diego market, like there's a lot of markets, like depending on how cool you make it look, mm-hmm. that sells. If you sell an experience, that sells. People okay. love an experience. People oh, yeah. will be willing to go to a takeout food spot or, or, or a coffee shop or anything, um, a barber shop, if the vibe is cool, if the experience is dope. They're willing to try it out just to give it a shot. And if they had a good experience, doesn't matter if they got a good haircut or not, they're going to go back. That's true. A lot of people don't That's really understand. Yo. You know, a lot of people don't really understand what good haircuts are. And we might understand it but it goes the same way for coffee like there's a lot of coffee shops out here and a lot of them might not be all great like i there's a lot of coffee snobs out there that could or coffee connoisseurs sorry no disrespect to the coffee fanatics but um there's a lot of coffee people out there that could sit here and say there you know there's not much great coffee in san diego there's probably one or two spots but there's like a million coffee spots that sit here and say they roast their own coffee and they try to make it cool and make it an experience and make it something uh, that differentiates itself from others uh, by means of quality or something, you know? So that stuff exists, you know, it exists in every business, not just barbering, all different kinds of businesses. Because no, there's it. restaurants out here that are super bougie, super expensive, but the food is trash. Damn, yo, that's a damn shame. <laughs> that's a damn shame. Like, it, it don't match the decor and don't match the ambiance, right? It's, it's a shame. Yeah, but then next thing you know, you're spending like, $100 on a steak, and it's like, man, I could have made this better myself at home. But how, <laughs> how often does that happen? Like, for me, that happens pretty often. I go out eating in San Diego, and people hype up restaurants, and I go, and I'm like, mm, it's okay. It's <laughs> Yo, but to each their own, man. Like, some people, that might be their palate, or that's what they like, you know? And they think it's, well, I say they think, it's like, to them, that's what they like. It is true. Yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? I mean, but hey. But if something is not good, it's just not good, you know, in general, too. Like, you will know, honestly, at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, though. So, I mean, it's like, a, like that's the thing with a haircut, you know, people, because people don't know enough to determine or distinguish what a good haircut or a bad haircut is, because I, I think Instagram really fucked everyone's fucking view on what a good haircut is. They like that fill those filters. All this product, all this paint. Yeah. And yo, people don't know, man. I get, I get a little frustrated. I ain't gonna lie. That 
that stuff, like, what's it called, like, messes up, I guess, the perspective of people of what a haircut is or supposed to be, you know what I mean? So what do you do when you get a client that comes in with a picture of a haircut that has a lot of enhancements? And I, they tell you, I want this haircut just how it is. I mean, I'll tell them, I mean, if you want exactly how that is, I can't, I, well, I'm not saying I can't. I tell them I don't do that. Because first of all, I don't do enhancements like that because that's my personal preference. As a professional, I don't, I don't believe in that because I think it takes away from the actual haircut. You know what I mean? Well, first comes first, let's highlight what enhancements are, right? Highlight enhancements a lot of the time are like hair color, yeah. paint, Sometimes people use um, eyeliner, right? To like draw in like the corners of people's hairlines and whatnot. And it creates a picturesque, you know, creates a perfect picture. Oh, like it looks almost like a filter yeah. on, in real life. Yep. Without the filter. Yep. It looks like the whole haircut's like Photoshop. It's yeah. just made to look perfect. The thing is you go home and you take a shower and that stuff washes Yo, right you go out. to sleep, your freaking shape was on your pillow, bro. Yeah, no, literally. Your, your haircut's yeah. like now in your pillow. <laughs> Which is kind of embarrassing. Or you go to the gym and you work out, and now you're sweating it out. Yo, you got your hair on the crooked because you're sweating that shit out. Yo, I'm pretty sure there's people like that. I mean, to each their own too. But with that, you know what I mean. I'm not saying that's good or bad, but just you know, that's my personal preference because stuff like that can happen. I would just totally avoid the whole shit. Yeah, no, and I, I, I'm okay with hair color. Like, there's a lot of guys that do. Uh, well, blackouts like what we're used to back in the East Coast. Okay, yeah, it's yeah. like just hair color, just on a hairline. And, you know, making that nice and fresh. And then there's um, other enhancements that that work for people. And you know, I'm for it. I've done blackout or I've done some hair color in my beard to mm -hmm. make it pop a little bit more and whatnot. Like, I'm okay with that. I just don't like it to a degree like what you said where they do it just for Instagram. They make it just like look perfect just for Instagram. Because when you, when you go, you wash your hair out or you part your hair in another direction you know how like people put like a lot of texture in the sides and yeah. brush the hair up mm -hmm. to make it look cool, but then like the moment you comb it down, it just looks like trash. Yeah, no, it looks crazy. It looks drives crazy. me nuts. I'm not a fan of that stuff at all. Me either, but like I said, like, you know, some people like that. So I get why other barbers, like if people like that and they're gonna pay for it, why not add that to the service? Okay, cool. But to me, like, I feel like it takes away from the craft, the craft yeah. of the whole cutting hair. like. You cut hair, I, I believe that, and you cut it well, you don't need any of that stuff. That should just be like uh, like an add-on. It should it just should make it better, but like, it shouldn't be that, that shouldn't be the main focal point of the haircut service. You know right. what I mean? So to me, like, hey, if you could do that, it's good on you, man. But to me personally, I don't, I don't see myself doing that. So I mean, I, I wouldn't do that. And that's the crazy part about barbers and barber shops. There's so many, right? And there's so many barbers. Even like you said, right here. So what what is it about our shop do you think stands out and just in San Diego itself compared to the other shops? Um, so our shop stands out, and not in all of San Diego, because I think other places in San Diego there are shops that are doing well. Okay. My thing is, is that in a downtown area, there's not a lot of good shops. Okay. There's hole in the wall shops, and then there's cookie cutter shops that are like Supercuts and Floyd 99. But then, as far as like a local owned barber shop that is barber owned, 
that is mid-scale to upscale, you don't really see that in the downtown area. Why is that? I don't know. Honestly, like, I feel like the reason why there's not a lot of, like, diversity in food in the downtown area, right? Like, there's a lot of steakhouses and a lot of American food. You'll see some Latino spots, but they're not really, like, diversity in Latino. They're mostly Mexican. Uh, I feel like there's just, like, the opportunity or, or the right person hasn't come to take that opportunity, right? Because I feel like if they opened up, like, a really good Puerto Rican spot or a really good Cuban spot, like, it would just blow up. Oh, yeah, because well. they, they don't have that. So, yeah, just having the no, like, there's no competition in that exact field. Oh, right. And then say, like, you know, good Portuguese restaurant, takeout. I was so used to that at home. If somebody did that here in San Diego, it would crush. I it would that. do so well. There's not like crazy good Chinese food out here, like Chinese takeout back in the East Coast. They were like on every other corner. <laughs> you know, the barbershop, Chinese restaurant. Right. <laughs> pretty much, yeah, that's pretty much how it was. Uh, here you don't see that, not, especially not in the downtown areas. So it's like there's yeah. uh, there's missing opportunities here for different industries to tap into if see? they really wanted to. Bodega, Chinese restaurant, and Puerto Rican. Yeah, Puerto Rican. those three things. Portuguese food. Oh, Portuguese. Somebody open a fucking a no. cascada, please. Hell, please. Good. They would kill it out here. There's none of it. It's crazy because in Jersey, you see them open up and then they shut down. Because there's like the established ones, you know, like in Elizabeth, where I'm from, you have Valences and Algarve, and they're like literally a block away from each other. Literally a block away from each other. And these two places have full blown restaurants full-blown takeout locations. They have venues for like Sweet 16s and other things like that. And they're only a block away from each other in Elizabeth, New Jersey. You don't see stuff like that out here in San Diego. It's kind of crazy. But that's crazy because those two do the almost mirror images of itself. But Pretty much. So, uh, what, successful and able to do that stuff. Yeah. That's and what I don't understand. I'm like, how? How is that possible, yo? Yeah. But I mean, I get it. It's, it's, it's like that because the choices are limited, right? And then on top of that, I guess they do really well for what they do. Yep. You know what I mean? But damn, like, that would be, that's crazy because I came out here thinking there's a there, because there is variety. There is, there's choices. But then the, 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 the variety, the lack of variety, it, it's a, it, there's a, there's a ceiling. Right. right. It doesn't, it doesn't, I guess, like go too far. Like you said, like if there's gonna, the majority is gonna be Mexican food. But then again, it just stops. Right, <laughs> right there. A, a big drop off of like other stuff. Yeah. Which I feel like then, like you said, that, 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 that's a perfect opportunity for anyone who are doing other things to come in to do that shit. Yep. But so as an owner, like go, I know going into this, you knew there was going to be some problems becoming an owner of a shop. How, what, what were those problems that you, you foresaw and actually seen or like, or there's any ones that you didn't account for that you hit, like obstacles and stuff like that? I mean, there was always challenges and there was challenges that I didn't really understand and obviously didn't foresee. Mm -hmm. um, starting this off was like trying to get funding and I applied for an SBA loan. Okay. And that was a process was trying to figure out who offers SBA loans and how to get them. And then understanding how SBA loan works, uh, so you have to have a, uh, an injection, which okay. is basically like a down payment Oh, okay. So you have to have a down payment for your loan for a non-collateralized SBA loan. And then like, you know, coming up with that number was a thing. Making sure that your business plan was refined to their liking was a thing. And then all the paperwork that came along with it. And I'm talking about it was months, like 
four to six months of my life were spent on trading and getting documents for them so that their caseworkers were all satisfied with moving forward with my funding. Um, and it was like, you know, creating the fictitious business name, getting the business license, making mm. sure that the permits and everything and all the stuff was done when construction was going on. Uh, the contractor had his license, contractor had insurance. Like there was just the list goes on and on and on. Um, and it was just a headache. Every day was something new and everything was something else. And it was like, at no point was it ever a, a situation was like, okay, can you give me the full list of everything I need to do so I can just get it all done in one day? No, that would be so easy though, I'll just right? take a whole day off of work, but it's like, you don't know what came first, is it the chicken or the egg kind of deal. And that's kind of how they bounced it at me. And they were like, yeah, you know, it, it just kind of depends like what comes what next. We just got to figure yeah, it whatever. out. It so I was like, all right, whatever. So I kind of just took it day by day, just nipping it in the bud or, or chipping away at it as much as I could. And um, eventually I got to where I got to like, where they finally were giving me funding and it was like, we're locking down the spot. Cool, let's get our contractors started on work. There was a thing called fund control, which is a headache that I had to deal with. And um, the contractor wasn't happy about that. He almost quit on me on the job. I didn't know that was going to be a thing. I didn't know my contractor was going to quit on me. That's I thought, crazy. Why, was he, uh, why did he want to quit? Though? He wanted to quit. Well, fund control wanted him to do the job first okay. before paying him. Oh, so shit. it wasn't like that a, normal? well contractors normally operate in deposits so like okay. if you're going to get a light fixture done in your house they and it costs 500 bucks a lot of the times they want 100 dollars or 250 up front in order to get the job started and then you know at least covers materials you know okay. and then eventually you pay the rest in this case no they wanted you to start the job and then finish it and then you get paid in full though no so it wasn't the full project the project was broken down in segments it was broken down based on floors interior electrical plumbing um lighting Damn. so there's a multitude of different uh segments that it was broken down to so he started on the floor and a, the, the whole floor was carpeting and he started tearing it up and it, basically we had a section for demolition and then since we started the demolition part once he finished tearing up the carpet he was able to collect money on it and he collected his money on that and he collect then he started sanding it down he started laying down the you know the epoxy laying down the paint and everything and every time he finished the job he got paid for it got paid for it got paid. he didn't get paid immediately he got paid like a week or two out because that's how much of a headache it was and he would like get upset with me he's like why are they not paying me when i need to be paid like i finished the job why are they making it such a headache it's like this is what it is uh, he, he had his own issues too like he wouldn't fill paper out paperwork out correctly but nonetheless um it was a headache that I'm glad I'm past. I'm glad it's over. If I ever open up another barbershop or any business for that matter, I will not want to go down the path of getting an SBA loan. Not because the money wasn't fine or anything. It was just a process. Okay. The process was a headache and it was something I'll never want to go through ever again. It was a nightmare. Uh, and that was something I did not know was it was going to be. I thought it was going to be something where I go to the bank, I go with my business plan. I meet with some people that are important. You know, a bunch of suits, tall hats, I guess, sit down, you know, shoot my spiel. And they were going to be like, great, here's $100,000, go open up your business. That's what I thought it was going to be like. That was not the case. Thank you, here's the money. Yeah, no. And it was so discouraging. It was so devastating sometimes. You know, sometimes my heart was broken because I thought it wasn't going to happen. Really? I thought, yeah, when my contractor wanted to quit on me, I, yo, I was devastated. I didn't, like, I was, like, trying to find other contractors. 
I reached out to the lender and I was like, hey, what is the process for me to switch contractors? Because we had him under contract. Mm -hmm. I had to make him sign a contract, which I had to figure out how to make a contract. So like, I had to learn how to make a contract and there's like a website that helps you do it, but it, like, it was no easy feat. I feel, you know, honestly though, you know what's dope about this whole thing? Really didn't get no help from nobody. No. Google fucking helped you. Yeah. Like you really use it to your advantage. I was like, I mean, that's why it's there for. I can't, you know, you could really do a lot. It's fucking amazing. Yeah, it was all about being resourceful. Yeah. At the end of the day. I mean, like I Googled the business advisor. You know, it's funny, I had a, a business owner that pointed me in the right direction. Uh -huh. uh, I was at a barber shop here building my clientele and I had a, a business owner in my chair and he was telling me about how he got funded for his business. And I was just like, what did you do? Who do you talk to? And he gave me the right person. And I was just like, cool. And um, I called that person and that was uh, basically um, uh, a lender called Acción. And they do SBA <laughs> loans. Yeah, Acción, Latino. And, um, <laughs> They uh, told me like, yeah, come on and let's talk. But they were part of uh, another or another organization was in their building called SBDBC or San Diego Business Development Center or something like that. So I went to this building. I had an uh, appointment with a with a counselor. I went there and met with the lady. She turned out to be my business advisor, and she told me what I needed to do. She told me about the business plan. She gave me a list of things that I needed to get done in order to be eligible for funding. It wasn't all the paperwork once I was eligible. It was just like, here, if you want to appeal to a, to a lender for um, SBA loan, this is what you got to do. So like she started putting me in the right direction, which is great. But like that was her job was just to make sure that I got money for funds and that was that. But like all the other paperwork in addition to that was not her responsibility. Uh, it was me and the lender. But like, yeah, that was something else. So was any regrets? Were you opening a shop or not? Hmm. That's a good question. Or like regrets, or not regrets, or like positive, negative, like, like you know what I'm saying? Like if you were to, to, to do it all over again, how would you, or would you, or would you do it again? Or would you wouldn't, or? I mean, there were like small things, like the POS system. Like I spent a year with a certain POS system I wasn't really happy with, it was a lot of headaches. Um, and then there were other things that I did that were kind of a headache throughout the, the process. Like the sound system was having issues for several months. Um, the security cameras were having issues. I didn't know exactly where I should spend my money or prioritize it correctly at first. Like, because once I opened my doors, I had money in the bank from the, from the loan. It's like, cool, where do I spend my money at? So it was like, do I do I do the neon lights that we did? Do I do the barber pole because that stuff wasn't here? Um, do I buy all these hot lather equipment? Do I get the blinds put in? Like, what do I spend my money at that will give me a, a good return on my investment? And um, I don't really know. And honestly, going back, what I should have done, but I don't know if I would have been successful, was I was conservative with time. I didn't hire right off the bat. I spent an entire month cutting in here by myself. Was that by design? That was by, yeah, it was choice. Okay. I why did that by choice. That? Or why did you want it? Or why was that a, even a choice? Because I wanted to kind of work out the kinks at first. I wanted to kind of do like a dry run with my own customers mm. because at least they would be patient with me, right? Because if I got any new people and they were just things that were fucking up or the lighting was right, they got a really bad haircut or something like that, 
I didn't want to have to deal with that the moment I got the opportunity to open. I wanted to work out and iron out all the kinks by myself here okay. and I could take that loan money and invest into things that were going to make those experiences better. Okay. So I spent an entire month by myself. Trial and error by yourself. Basically, yeah. So I did that for an entire month and then I was like, I think I'm ready. So I started hiring and I wanted to do it one by one. I wanted to hire one barber at a time, build them up to where they were busy and then focus on the next one and then focus on the next one, focus on the next one. And that was probably my next mistake was I hired a barber and I didn't hire anybody else for months on end. And I was trying to focus on getting him good, getting him better. He was talented, but you know, he, he had his strengths and his weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was trying to build on, on his weaknesses and improve on his strengths as well. And, okay. um, or the other way around, but uh, I was trying to get him better at it. And then when this pandemic hit, which, you know, it sucked for everybody, I ended up losing. So and he was getting to a point where he was getting good. He was retaining a good amount of people. But then, you know, as a result of the pandemic, he had to go find a, another type of full-time job doing construction. So like, all right, that's fine. You, you know, you, you got to do what you got to do. But then it left me in a situation like, then it sucks. I invested so much time into this person and then now they're gone. Mm. And I got to start over from scratch with somebody else. So that changed my whole perspective of hiring. That made me actually want to hire a lot more aggressively. So okay. that's when I, I got our second barber. And once we got the opportunity to open up back the doors, we were getting busy. And I was aware that during the course of the pandemic, some shops did not reopen, either by choice or because they got shut down and couldn't afford their bills. So I created another uh, hiring post and um, that hiring post brought us a third barber. And eventually you came through the door, but me and you were already talking since the beginning of the year uh, about you potentially coming through here. So, but the volume had upticked significantly because a lot of people were trying to get their hair cut. Right, because they were, you know, since everything was shut down, a lot of people didn't get a haircut for a long time. So once we reopened, the floodgates had opened and we were getting a hell of a lot of volume. So it was great for me, for Patrick, and for and for Gary once Gary came in, but then it started to taper down. Once that volume was taken care of, like we started to slow down a lot. Mm. Um, and then you came in through the door, and then a couple weeks later, we get shut down again. That was fucking crazy, bro. Right. We <laughs> crazy, man. And then we get given the opportunity to operate outside, and I'm like, yeah, I, I spent way too much time and effort to sit here and not open up. I'm gonna figure it out. I'm gonna try to do my best and figure out how we're gonna operate outside because I'm not about to let this shit keel over. So it was kind of crazy. That was a crazy time. I'm not gonna lie. It was fun though. I enjoyed it. It was. I enjoyed it. I was like your real talk. I was so against it. Like I didn't. I did not want to cut hair outside. <laughs> like I really didn't. You but, didn't like, express that though. I didn't because I thought I'm. I rather fucking suffer than sit here and, and or go home and not cut hair and like be fucking broke and get kicked out of fucking. And then and I just got here. Like literally, I just got here. I started cutting hair for two weeks. Boom, pandemic hits again. Like, yo, no money coming in. I'm like, I'm not going back to Jersey, bro. Like, I'll do some, I'll do whatever I need to do. Like, <laughs> to, to, to stay here. And I was like, damn, but I guess if I have to cut outside, fuck it, I'll, I'll cut outside. But you know, the way the way you handled it, I, yo, I give you mad props because 
they shut us down. They made, like, the governor told us we could cut hair outside, like, in the next two days. Like, in another two days, boom, we're outside cutting hair, bro. That shit, yeah. I was like, I was, I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I was about to book a flight to just go chill somewhere. No, I, I, I did too. I mean, you ended up taking scheduling time off, yeah. which was fine. Um, and I wanted to too, but I was in a very delicate situation. And, uh, you know, Michelle gets upset with me here and there, but like, she supports my decisions. But it, it, it was a situation um, where I was like, man, if we're gonna be shut down another two months, I might as well just take off and go do something because the first two months I was at home doing nothing, trying to figure out what I was going to do if I had to shut down, like, you know, trying to come up with plans on plans on plans to kind of like make sure that my living was, was taken care of at the end of the day. No, I feel you. But, um, you know, I was like, you know what, like we're giving lemons right now. So let's make fucking lemonade while we can. So let's go outside. Yeah. Let's go outside and cut hair while we're giving the opportunity and while nobody else wants to, because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to choose not to cut hair outside. Well, guess what? They did, and they did. Yeah, a lot of people couldn't. A lot more people chose not to. And they chose not to in a sense of... Um, That's some ego shit, though. Yeah, in a, in a sense of like, they just decided not, not, not to, I guess in a revolt or a form of a, I guess, protest and not wanting to cut, not cutting hair outside. And trying to get like the government to you know, try to turn over that decision or whatever. I thought, you know, whatever, people have their reasons. At the end of the day, while people are sitting at home doing nothing, waiting for things to get better, quote unquote, we're going to go outside and we're going to make it happen. And we're going to earn this market share and we're going to retain customers from this opportunity we're given to go outside. And that's exactly what we did. We all went out there and a lot of us gave it our best. You know, some of us might have taken it for granted a little bit, I think. But at the end of the day, a lot of us retain clients. Like we have people coming in and asking for us every single day from that. Whereas before this, if we never got the opportunity to go outside and we would have just came right back inside, we wouldn't have that. We wouldn't have that right now, for sure. Yo, that, that's so crazy. That, that that one month we spent outside was like like a gift and a curse, man. Yo, honestly, like for, <laughs> for you, you came here two weeks before that. And that month kind of gave you like a jump start. It did. It gave you like a boost. Like you literally got a head start in this industry out here that honestly, I, if that wouldn't have happened, I don't think it, that would have happened for you. Like I don't no, think I don't would have know, built I, yo, like I said, That's why it's a, like a blessing and a curse. Cause yeah. like, like literally we were coming outside, the walking traffic was wild. The driving, the cars passing by, like it was crazy. Cause they would come by, start hogging in the horn, like, yeah, good job guys. I felt like I was like, yeah, good job. You know, and it was funny cause at first we're like, we're just doing our job. Yeah, we just cut hair, right? I feel like we're just cutting hair. But then it started to kind of sit in with us a little bit more and we started to kind of realize that like, we're some, and to some degree, we're the hometown heroes, right? We're, no, we're out no. there and we're cutting hair and we're doing it for the community. We bust these chairs out, we bust these tables out, we tape down that electrical, which is the pain in the ass of all pain in the asses. Wow. But we did it every single day and we put it all back inside and we made sure it was all spick and span and we had books, we had our books booked every single day that we were out there. And it was dope and the energy was fun. And there was some days where we had to deal with some of the, you know, the riffraff out there and we had to deal with a little, you know, bullshit here and there. But at the end of the day, we it was a very productive time that we were out there and it was fun. We enjoyed it. Yo, and I don't take that shit for granted at all either, yo. I'm, I'm like, like hindsight, I'm fucking glad that we did that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was crazy because like you said, there's like a lot of barbershops that, that weren't open. I'm like, yo, man, they're missing out, bro. Yep. 
the fucking this and that. And now some of those barber shops aren't able to even open up now. Like after, after said and done, you know what I mean? So yeah. that shit sucks. There, you know, it, it was crazy because there were shops that, like I said, they didn't, they couldn't. Some shops didn't want to. Some shops came up with a bunch of excuses. Oh, I got nowhere to go. Honestly, my plan A was what we did. It was cutting hair on that patio. Yeah. My plan B was gonna be to go to a parking lot across the street. There's an ABM over there. Mm-hmm. Talking to whoever, the owners and the managers and trying to negotiate like three or four parking spots. And then trying to get like a carport, get a trailer, get all this equipment we ended up buying, putting it all in there and saving it for, you know, every day, mm-hmm. getting a generator and cutting hair out of a parking lot. And like, you know, legit parking space. Legit parking space. It's like, <laughs> hey, we're now operating during this opportunity we're giving to work outside out of this parking lot. Like one way or another, we were going to go outside and cut hair. Well, Whether well, I would have definitely hated that shit. You would have you would have hated it, but at the end of the day, again, a blessing and a curse. Yeah, no, you're right. Right, because that's what other barber shops could have done, but they didn't do it because they didn't want to. But like, do you, what, why do you think that is? Like, why do you like you as a barber as a barbershop, Why do you think that barber shops, like, since we're cl- closing doors, why were they choosing to not operate outside still? Some barber shops. I mean, they've been they've been happy in the spaces that they've been in. They've been very content. They don't want to work outside. They're, they're you know, it's a, it could be complacency. They could be crybabies, whatever. Um, <laughs> some spaces it just becomes difficult, right? Like there's some barber shops that invest a lot in their interior space, and they they depend on the experience, like mm. we had talked about before. Yeah. And you can't have an experience cutting hair outside. Like it's just not the same. You can sit here and put plants and put decorative stuff and try to make it nice. But some people just don't see it the same. I mean, we had people that did not want to get a haircut because it was outside. And then even indoors now, we have people that want to get a haircut outside because they don't feel safe indoors type of deal. So it's just like... You can't win, bro. You can't win, <laughs> but customers are going to want what they want, right? And like, that's just how it is at the end of the day. But uh, as far as shop owners goes, like, I think you're going to have a little bit of everything, just like in barbers. Um, you're going to have a little bit of everything. People that have really good work ethic, people that have really good hustle. People that can cut dope and have amazing customer service. And then you're gonna have the polar opposites of that. You're gonna have people that suck, people that complain to their customers and cry all day, or you know, have shitty work ethic and show up late all the time and leave early. Like you're gonna have a combination of those things. And those things reflect in owners as well. You're gonna have owners that wanna put in that extra work, they wanna stay an extra hour or two hours to grind it out of the shop or clean something or work on a project and improve something. And you're going to have owners that want to come in late and leave early all the time and just let the barbers take care of it and let the shop run itself. And there is some sense of success in that. But then also there is a lot of failure in that by the owners not leading by example. I believe that. Leading by example is pretty important, I think. So as an owner, what do you think uh, are the, I guess, main qualities you think that you should possess to be a, a successful owner? I'm a barbershop, more specifically just a barbershop owner. You know, it's funny, I learned a lot over the whole year, but I learned a lot more over the pandemic and over these last four or five months, six months maybe. Um, And I learned that being dynamic is so important. Dynamic as in what? Just like how we spoke about a lot, being able to adapt and overcome, right? Oh, hell yeah. Because you have to. 
you have to be able to adapt and overcome and no matter what situation, no matter what market, no matter what happens. Like right now we could be slow and then we can continue to be slow going on into next week. And if that happens, I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna have a conversation with you guys. And I'll be like, what do you guys think? What could we do? What are we gonna do to make it better? And I'm gonna get everybody's input. And maybe we might do all the ideas that cut on the table and then some, or maybe we don't. We do a select few, select few that we think are gonna be very effective, right? Mm. Um, essentially like things like that make a good owner. Somebody who's willing to take in ideas and execute, put together a plan and make it happen. Um, you know, being able to be likable, being able to have good work ethic, being able to understand good quality and customer service and drive an experience. Like all these things together are so important for any owner to have in any business uh, to be successful, right? And if you don't have a quality, <laughs> like yeah, we have one of them. Shits. If you don't have no, I'm just saying like if you're missing something. Like okay. I'm not the I'm not good at social media, and I, and I say that time and time again. Um, if you're not good at it, cool, learn it as best as you can because that's what I'm trying to do. You know, I I, I research and I learn and I try to study it and figure it out. But at the end of the day, my goal longer term is I might want to hire a social media team to help us out, right? Like I might want to get somebody who's going to do some cool stuff that I would never even think of, right? put out some cool posts. It's like, we got nice cameras and we can take cool pictures of dope haircuts. But like, how do we sell it? How do we make it cool on the social media world where we can attract influencers better as opposed to just jumping in their inbox or something like that? Like, how can we get those kind of guys in the in the shop based on pure content, right? Like, that's what I want to figure out. Like, I could jump in people's DMs and give them offers and give free haircuts and stuff like that to do that stuff. And that's a good way to get people in my chair. Um, but at the end of the day, how do I get them to want to come here, right? Without having to do that. But, so like, I want to figure that out. I want to get good at that, um, but not like, not necessarily good. I want to understand it to a point where I can get the shop more successful in that field. But then at some point I might want to hire somebody to take it over. So I don't have to think about it because that, that for me requires a lot of energy, a lot of energy that I'd rather focus on other things, but I know that part right there is important. Well, that's true. That's true, man. Nowadays, social media is fucking important. What's that shit? Like, you control the attention, bro. You know, you control market share. You control whatever the fuck you want, actually. You, know, you can say whatever. Yeah. Just just getting them in the door or, or getting them in the chair is a is a first step, man. Honestly, at the end of the day, for our, for our stuff, you know? So, I, I, you know, me being here as an employee here, you know, like, I really respect your grind, man. Like, honestly, real talk, like, yo, I watch you cut hair and I watch you be the boss and be the leader. And you you, wear, you have to wear a lot of hats. You know what I mean? So for you to tell anyone else that they're to watch this, what would you tell them if they wanted to become an owner or a business owner or a barbershop or any type of one? What would you tell them? Patience. Woo. Yo, it's not a lot of patience. Woo. Instant gratification is a big thing nowadays, bro. Because, uh, you know, when it comes to being a leader, whether you're a leader of one or two or five or 50, when I used to do operations, I was in charge of 50 people uh, at a given time. You're going to have a lot of personalities. And then when you have to work with people day in, day out, 
and I'm not just your your barbers, but your customers and everything. You're gonna have some interesting characters. You're gonna have people <laughs> you're gonna love, and then people you're not gonna love. I'm not saying you're gonna hate them, but you know, well, they won't be your favorite. Yeah, you're gonna have your favorites and your not favorites. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you gotta kind of see people for who they are, and you know, as long as people mean well, that's all that's really important. Um, and I try to surround myself around people that mean well. You know, I could sit here and pick arguments with every single person under the sun, but I, I choose not to. Like, I just, right, I'm not going to accomplish anything. Uh, you know, I have goals and they have goals. And at the end of the day, if we can align ourselves and coexist and, you know, be content and great. If we can do more than that and become great friends and lifelong friends, then perfect. That's, that's what I want for sure. So, but patience is what harbors that for sure. Patience fosters that kind of mentality. Just being patient with people. And understanding about what people want, what their needs are. Um, people come into the barbershop all the time and they want a haircut. And I used to carry a mentality um, when I was much younger, in my early 20s, cutting here, where I didn't have patience with customers. And they would get in my chair and I'd be like, What haircut do you want? Oh, I don't know. I want it shorter on the sides. Like, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? You want a two on the side? Do you want a three? Like, give me specifics. I want specifics. Uh, like, I want you to get in my chair and tell me I want a one on the sides and scissors on top or oh, skin fade. And that's it. And that to me is like immediately like, okay, I got it. Let's do it. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like good customer service is not that. Like that, you, you can't do that. You have to realize that a lot of people don't understand the haircut lingo. They don't. And I think I'm learning that shit like, oh, oh my God, oh yeah. my God. Oh, especially out here compared to the East Coast. Oh, oh East Coast, the hair culture is so different. So like a lot of people sitting here trying to be like, yeah, I want I want a skin taper, you know. This, then a third and blah, blah, this. Yeah. And this and right, I want the Vegeta haircut, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dragon Ball Z shit. Yeah, I want the Dragon Ball Z shit. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so like we were used to that back in the East Coast, but here it's so different. It is so different. And it's something that I had to learn and adapt to quick very quickly because when i first like i was telling my customers you want me to shape you up and they're like what the hell is that you don't know what a shape up is <laughs> and i was like <laughs> not trying to make them feel stupid but i was like really come on guy hey, but come on guy <laughs> come on guy <laughs> just get it bro but um oh my god yeah no it, it took me a, a learning curve for sure when i first got here but it was something i started to figure out pretty quick and i was just like okay this whole thing is different out here i need to scale it back a lot and ask a lot more questions so say, what kind of haircut do you want? I'm like, oh, I don't know, just want it shorter. Okay, cool. Well, how short do you like it on the sides? Scissors, <laughs> you want it clippers? Do you want, you know, you want me to bring it down to skin? Uh, do you have pictures you want to go on? Pictures are helpful to help drive direction with what you want in your look and things like that. And like good, you know, having good terminology, like saying things like help me understand the direction you want to go in. Um, things like that are so helpful with the customer service experience. And they're just so thankful. And they're just like, yo, this is great. I love it. Like you're, you're understanding, you help me figure out what I wanted to do. And, you know, this is great. And that's what gets people to come back, especially that attentiveness. Yeah, because this customer service, man. This is yeah. this is what we do. That's part of customer service, bro. It's like the haircut is a plus of that. Well, I actually the haircut is what they come here for, but the customer service is a plus, like the cherry on top. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean you could give a gray haircut and have shitty customer service so people won't come back to you. That's a big fact. That's a that's a yeah, man. At that point, like, that's what I always tell these people, like, yo, we're about quality not quantity right mm -hmm. like you want to keep those people coming back because you gave them the uh, one of the best haircuts they ever had in their fucking life so they keep coming back our haircuts are 45 minutes but 
I'd rather give the opportunity to people that come back regularly an hour than to give like a lot of new people, you know, 45 minutes. And I'm saying it more in the sense that like, if I get people to come back to me, they appreciate me and they respect me. And so instead of getting a lot of new people that might not come back to me or might not care, I focus more on the clients that I do have and maintaining those relationships. Because at the end of the day, that's what keeps me booked. And when I, when I get new people, I give them the equal experience. But at the end of the day, I find that new people either stay with me or they don't. And a lot of the times when I get people in my chair, 95% of the time, they're the people that have been sticking with me for a couple of years. And they're not going anywhere. And I, and not that it decreases the experience at all. I want to focus on that person more because I want to maintain that relationship more. I want them to be like, he always takes care of me. That is my guy. And that builds references and those references get in my chair. And those new people, I, you know, I, I love getting those new guys. But when I get guys that come in from out of town, they're already from back, you know, I treat them similarly none, nonetheless, but I already have it in the back of my head. Like they're not going to come back, right? Yeah. So, but there's opportunity with that return, regardless. So always tell those guys that come in your chair for the first time and they might not come back ever. Like, hey man, drop me a review. If you like the experience, drop us a review because reviews are helpful at the end of the day. Well, yeah, boy, this is Tony Scissors Hands, IG handle. Um, this is Barbercraft SD, IG handle. We'll put that shit in the link somewhere later on below, whatever. <laughs> but that's what it is, man. Episode whatever. Chopping it up so booby. <laughs> <laughs>